Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you're having a good week. And for those of you who are in the U.S. and who celebrate, I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. I'm actually recording this in advance because I am heading to Minnesota to be with my family and to celebrate my niece's first birthday, which actually happens to fall on Thanksgiving. So I am not going to be recapping Salt Lake or Winter House this week. And I'm also not going to be chatting about Family Karma because that is one of my favorite shows and I am saving it to watch while I am cuddled up in my pajamas on the couch at home. (laughs) So um, this week's episode is going to be heavy into Potomac and there are a lot of reasons for that. And then we do chat a bit about Salt Lake and Winter House Dynamics. My guest, Victoria, has been on the podcast before. She supports um, Refugee Action Fund. The organization is currently merging with another group that supports refugees, which is called Choose Love. And she's going to talk to all of us about how we can support refugees this holiday season and honestly, year round. So while the ladies of Potomac may not have chosen love this past week, um, I think all of us as an audience can, you know, take a moment to reflect on where we are and whether or not we're able to give this holiday season and go to choose.love online or us.choose.love if you are in the United States to learn how you can support refugees. One thing I will say before we get into this episode is that obviously um, Victoria and I are two white women commenting on a show that has a cast of black women, and there are have been allegations of colorism on the cast by the audience towards the cast, and we're not going to really delve into that because we're not the right people to have that conversation, but I am going to be having that conversation on this podcast with people who are better equipped to have that conversation in the coming weeks. Um, So if you have any questions related to that or thoughts, please reach out to me. I am constantly learning about this topic, and I know people view it very differently, right? Um, Obviously, black people are not a monolith and have different opinions about things. So it'll be interesting to um, kind of delve into that a little bit more. One thing I thought was also really interesting, I found a tweet from Ray Sani, because I am still on the hell site that is Twitter. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out whether or not um, the good outweighs the bad. And if I can just be on it just a little bit and then like kind of log off when it gets kind of scary or I stumble onto something really hateful. I don't know how you guys are navigating it. Um, Meredith Marks decided to step away from Twitter and I I am considering joining Meredith. But anyways, uh, then I wouldn't hear this amazing take from Ray, which is she thinks that black women don't get to be complicated on reality TV. 
and that fans punish them harshly for being anything less than perfect or lionize them into the good versus evil when they like them. And that Potomac really epitomizes that. She talks about how people viewed Kenya as the bad guy no matter what and Portia as the good guy no matter what. And that, you know, there's no grace given, there's no room for fluidity or mistakes or corrections, and no one gets to really be complex as humans really are. It was hard to kind of recap this episode when I was disappointed in so much of the cast. And people often act in ways that are disappointing to us. And I think that's what we witnessed this week. (laughs) But I really do hope that the women somehow are able to get to a better place because I don't want this being like season five all over again, where there is still so much animosity at the end. Like I love the joy that I feel when I watch these women and that when they're getting along or just playing and toying with each other, shading each other, it's really a magical group. And I hope that isn't lost after what went down in Miami. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. If you have any constructive criticism or just want to chat, you can reach me at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram. I always like hearing from all of you. Okay, we'll take a quick break and then back with Victoria. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Victoria. She is a huge Housewives fan in New York City. She was on the podcast this past February to talk about an organization very dear to her heart, Refugee Action Fund. And she's going to chat with us a little bit today about some things you can do this coming Giving Tuesday to support refugees. And we are also going to dish about Potomac. How are you doing, Victoria? I'm great, Mandy. Thanks for having me. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. So before we jump into this week's incredibly dramatic and somewhat disappointing Real Housewives of Potomac, um, tell us about uh, Refugee Action Fund and why it's so important to you, and then also different ways people can support refugees this coming Giving Tuesday, because we've just had Thanksgiving. People are, you know, kind of thinking about the holiday season and ways that they can donate um, and support others who are less fortunate. So we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. So I mentioned last time that I was on that I'm involved with an organization called Refugee Action Fund. I got involved with them in 2020. And really, for me, it comes down to the fact that we're all humans. And this is an issue that not a lot of people have space for in their hearts. It's not something that's always really apparent to people. And so Refugee Action Fund really started. um, And what it means to me is just helping people make space in their hearts for refugees. Um, I mentioned last time, only 1% of U.S. philanthropy supports immigrants, and an even smaller percent of that supports refugees. So it's a really important and often overlooked cause that I hope you guys are able to kind of open your minds to this holiday season. Um, So as I mentioned, I'm involved with Refugee Action Fund, but Refugee Action Fund is actually going through a really exciting 
transition right now. Um, We're being absorbed by a larger organization called Choose Love. And Choose Love has the exact same mission as Refugee Action Fund set out to accomplish back in 2015. And um, Choose Love it's the same thing. They're connecting people who want to make a difference with organizations who are really on the ground doing critical work to help refugees. So supporting refugees all over the world, um, providing immediate uh, first aid, providing relocation support, resettlement support, and kind of everything in between. So this holiday season, it would be great if you guys could check out the Choose Love shop. That's the best way to support Choose Love. You can go to choose.love. And on the shop, they have all sorts of things that you can buy, uh, sort of like sleeping bags or meal kits or diapers or any sort of um, aid product that will go directly to supporting refugees. And if you're in New York City or London, they actually have storefronts where you can go in and shop for those items. So in between all of your Black Friday and holiday shopping, you can buy some stuff that's really making a difference for refugees. That's amazing. So if I were to go in New York City and buy a sleeping bag, how would it get to someone? So it's pretty symbolic. You're just going to kind of take the oh, bag, so it's- take it to the register. It's just a donation-based thing. Got it. Um, but it's it's kind of a fun way to go into the shop and buy things with your family and kind of have that tangible aspect of it. So the money then goes and then, you know, supports either a sleeping bag or, you know, health services or exactly. education or whatever else. Okay. And you guys all know exactly. this, this issue is really... Um, meaningful to me because my dad was a refugee who lived for three months uh, at first in Vienna and then outside of Rome while he was being processed uh, for the resettlement process in the United States. And um, I am forever grateful to the organization that did that for him, which is highest. And I'll also link to that in the show notes. Uh, But any organization that supports the resettlement of refugees and support of them, I am all four. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. Yeah, definitely. Hope you guys are able to check out the shop. Thank you so much. Um, okay. Let's turn to Potomac because, <laughs> wow, this is definitely a franchise that I feel like needs to start uh, choosing love. <laughs> rather than what's been going on. I don't even know where to start. Um, Maybe first the house that they're staying in in Miami. Why doesn't it have air conditioning? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, I really don't know the answer to that. Miami is a very hot place. I'm not sure. Do you know what time of year they're there? I don't know the exact timeline of because okay. the, they started filming in March, I think. So this might be like a little bit mid to end of April. I mean, it's right. warm. Because it was cherry blossoms and then they were picking the tulips. So it's it's the spring. It's definitely getting warm down in Miami. I think the house should probably have air conditioning. I just feel like it does and it's just not on for some reason. It's so – they're all so hot. There's just a lot of oversights with this house. Like six bedrooms for nine people is – rough um I would not be happy especially if you think about it it's a work trip for them so really they should be being taken care of um I love in Robin's room how they can hear the toilet flushing from the other room (laughs) 
like above them, they hear the water running through. I'm like, oh, this house in the lower level. It doesn't look luxurious to me at all. Like all of the clear glass, it, it feels like it could all just fall apart. Well, I thought it was interesting in the car. Mia was saying, oh, it's listed for twelve and a half million dollars. So I feel like this happens a lot on Real Housewives shows. Like I think the house that Miami stayed in in the Hamptons was also for sale. Remember, there weren't enough bedrooms there either. And I think that they staged the house and then it's publicity for the real estate agent. But that doesn't really make sense because it's airing so much later. Yeah. But I, I feel like that's how they get all of these houses is they're for sale. And so no one's actually living there. And there's some weird deal that's going on of why they're staying there. That's so interesting. Yeah, I don't know if it's for publicity, but there's yeah, there's something weird going on there why they happen to stay at this house. And it's just funny how Mia keeps insisting like she found the house and telling Sharice, you're not going to find anywhere else to say, trust me, I looked everywhere. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're like staring at South Beach from their bayfront. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's well, no and other you hotel of, rooms. <laughs> you think of the house... Do you remember that um, New York stayed in in Miami? I feel like it was similar vibes, similar location, but 10 times nicer. Yes. That was the time where Sonia fell and had to, the ambulance had to come. Oh my goodness. And Um, Ramona was like, Tinsley, your breasts look small in that dress. (laughs) (laughs) It was an iconic line. Oh my God. Um, All right. So, they're all really warm and then they take shots before going out and Mia gives her iconic line does a frog have a watertight asshole have you ever heard this saying I feel like I have recently but I think it was because it was in a trailer or something it was in the trailer for Potomac yeah okay that's the only reason I was like why have I heard this before and yeah okay so the answer is no the women seem to all have not heard this. I also just think that when people are physically uncomfortable, like Ashley was talking about, like hoping her sweat doesn't like mess up her dress, <laughs> you know, and then they take like shots and head out. It's definitely a recipe for like disaster, which is what yes. ensued. Yes. Um. Oh, my God. So they go to bar one. Have you ever been to any of Peter's restaurants? No, I have not. I forgot that he owned Bar One in Miami. He doesn't seem, I don't know, something is off about him. And since he's had a number of restaurants close, I'm not sure how much I trust his business savvy. But if it has good reviews, then I would definitely check it out. You know, the other thing that was so weird before we get into the whole argument is Mia was being really rude to her friend Jacqueline. Yes. That was so odd. I I couldn't quite figure it out. Yeah, I couldn't either. I was listening to your episode from last week, though, and you guys talked about it a bunch, kind of teeing it up for whatever is going to happen at the end. I think it's like a weird edit that they're getting. Um, I get her being annoyed when she's like, do you have toothpaste? Do you have deodorant? Do you have every single thing that I forgot to bring? That's annoying, but... The, the thing in line, like, oh, do you want to put the chef on your plate? And she was like, um, no, there's something weird going on. I don't yeah, know what it is. There, it's like Mia's making digs at Jacqueline. 
And Jacqueline doesn't seem to be off. Like she seems to make a lot of sense. And Mia seems to not make any sense. Well, you have to remember all of the fights are always about the show. So I wonder if Mia feels like Jacqueline is stepping on her toes and being a part of the show and taking away the spotlight from her or something like that. Maybe. Like, I'm bringing you on this trip. You need to fall in line. Well, and Jacqueline did say, I'm the one of her friends that doesn't tell her everything she wants to hear. She didn't say it like that, but it was something like that. And then kind of saying if she met Mia as an adult, maybe they wouldn't be friends. And that is an alarming statement. (laughs) Yeah. If any of my childhood friends was like, oh, if I met Mandy, you know, like after age 30, like I wouldn't have been friends with her. I'd be like, oh my God. (laughs) I don't know what I would have done. What a weird thing. Yeah, that is kind of (laughs) mean. It's, it just, are you friends with each other because you've always been friends and it's sort of like an inertia, like you're pulled into this friendship because you're kind of going around, going around, going around, and this has just been going on for so long? Or is it like, are you actually happy being friends with one another? It also sounds like they've gone through a lot together and trauma does have a way of bonding people. And I think the same thing can be said about family relationships in general, which I would argue it seems like their friendship almost is like a family relationship because they grew up together. Um, I think sometimes people can just change and grow and sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. But I think relationships do ebb and flow over the course of their life. Um, So I don't know. There's something to be said there. (laughs) Another relationship that we're watching that's on the outs is Sharice and Karen. What I don't understand is why is Sharice pretending she doesn't know why Karen doesn't mess around with her? Like, why? It's very clear. So I, I admitted this. I am, I'm a new Potomac watcher. So I don't have all of the history other than just the flashbacks that they keep showing. Can you maybe unpack a little bit what's behind that relationship? Yeah. So Sharice was kind of the first person that the show was modeled around. She was married to an ex-NBA or football, I can't remember, player. She had a lot of money. They were kind of living separately, but not divorced. It was like this whole thing. And she just wasn't, she didn't pop on screen the way the others did. And it ended up revolving more around Giselle and Karen than it did around her. And I think she knew that she started to be on the chopping block. This is just my guess. And I think it was the season two reunion. She called out Karen for having a boyfriend that they called Blue Eyes. Right. And Karen was pissed. And I don't know if it's because it's true, probably, you know, or has some, I don't know. It, but they have not talked since that reunion is my understanding. And I think everyone else knows. Sharice then wasn't asked to come back. Candace came on the show. Um, there's been other people that have come on the show since. And now she's been invited to come back. And I'm not sure if they had planned for her to be full-time 
or just a friend of. And maybe they're going to go, they're going back and editing her as a friend of, but we're filming her as if she would be a full time housewife. I don't know. Well, my theory, and we talked about this when we talked about Miami too, is I think they bring everyone on and it's basically a tryout. So, when they go into it, theoretically, they're all sort of in the same boat. I think you see the same thing happening in Salt Lake. The, the editing in Salt Lake, it's so weird always. But like with Angie K and Angie H and, and Dana like popping back in. And I think the same thing, um, it just goes on in other franchises. Like in Jersey last season, people are like, oh, we didn't even see Tracy. It's like, yeah, because they edited her out. It wasn't her fault. I think everyone's kind of just like trying out. And so you're right. I think they don't really know if she's going to be like a friend of her full time at this point. So she's acting like she has no idea why Karen doesn't mess around with her when it's like painfully obvious. And then Giselle, because she likes to kind of, I don't know, meddle and everything is like, well, if you would just say why you don't like Sharice, then we can all move on. And it's like, oh, shut up. And Karen was so good about being like, you know, I like to leave the past in the past and move forward. And, you know, um, but that's, I don't know, it's been very interesting to watch Sharice come back. She's just, to me, not likable. I tend to agree. There's and, and not as watchable. Like, there's people I don't like as much on Potomac, but they're watchable, right? You know, I want to see what's going on in their lives. I want to see what they're wearing. I want to see, you know, how they interact with others, even if I don't particularly like them. But with her, I'm just, I don't know, it's so, like, kind of sleepy energy. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think you're right. She just doesn't pop. There's nothing... And not um, radiating it. She doesn't pop. Someone who does pop on camera, weirdly, is Peter. Peter Thomas is used to being on camera. He loved being on camera when he was on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. And he loved being on camera in this episode. I mean, he was in the middle of all the drama. He started it. He did, for (laughs) sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that Again, this argument or this beef between him and Wendy somehow has to go back to the show. And if they have more conversations and he can be on the show more, he can um, promote his business and all of these things. I feel like what happened, at least per the receipts in Wendy's confessional, was he sent her a document. She was looking it over and maybe never got back to him or something like I think she's probably at least a little bit at fault, but I mean, it's just life in the big city. Like that's business. You got to just kind of take it and and move on. doesn't really feel like it feels like the fact that he has this beef is just very manufactured for the show. Very. I mean, and her receipts basically showed that their last texting back and forth was her asking to see the place physically. Like she doesn't want to put money into something that she has not yet physically seen. And he responded something very vague. And so we'll set it up. Like or like we'll see almost. Like it wasn't a yes. Yeah. And I feel like if 
I were Wendy, I would be reconsidering going into business with someone that's trying to control everything, especially when he has a history of lawsuits from other business partners that have said that, you know, he took their money and didn't keep them in the loop and all of that. Yeah, especially if she's going to be a minority owner, it's still a lot of money to just put out there and not have control over or potential insight into the business. So I think she has a lot going on and she should probably just lean into her other things because this just seems like a a not good situation with Peter. Yeah, definitely. Um, But when he came out to say hi to all of them, he acted like everything was fine. So he planted a seed with Mia saying, I've got beef with Wendy and then acted like nothing was wrong. So then Mia goes over and is like, what's the beef with Wendy? And he's like, she didn't get back to me. And she didn't tell me she was coming in town. What? And she even said when she saw him, I thought, oh, I didn't know you were here. Like, I thought you were in Baltimore. Do you think that the ladies, at least Wendy, knew that they were going to bar one? Like, when do you think she found out that that's where they were going? Maybe that day. Yeah, I think it was like as they were walking out the door. Yeah, it was not. It seemed like they ta- Mia talked about it with everyone else, like getting everyone else riled up behind Wendy's back. And then she was like, oh, okay, here we are. Guess I'm playing it cool. Uh, what are your thoughts on Wendy overall before we get into on Wendy and then Mia? So on Wendy, I think she's a go-getter, but I think, As we can see, that's sort of her Achilles heel. She's spreading herself too thin. She's starting to have some health issues because of it. And I think it would serve her better to just focus on the things that she already has on her plate, you know, spend time with her family. And I think another thing that doesn't get talked about is the fact that the show itself is a huge time commitment for these ladies. So whenever there are these storylines about, oh, I can't spend time with my family, I don't see my kids, it's like, well, yeah, because you're also choosing to put this immense time commitment on your plate on top of whatever else you have going on in your life. So overall, I think my thoughts on Wendy are she has a warmth, she has an energy, she's a go-getter, but she's maybe a little bit too all over the place for me. Yeah, I, you know, I think all the listeners know that I used to really, really like Wendy and have soured on her. And I don't know if I've explained it as well as I wanted to. But for me, it's, I really liked the person that she came in as, uh, but the person she came in as is not the person who she actually is. And it felt fraudulent, sort of like, not as bad, but when Erica Jane came in as one, oh, I'm a boss bitch, I write all my own checks, and I, you know, um, co-sign the taxes, and I know everything. And then it turns out she has no idea how money is being spent and actually like doesn't make her own money and all of that. Wendy came in as if someone who really knew who she was. And now she's telling us, I actually don't know who I am, and I'm trying to figure it out. And that's actually a more relatable type person. I don't know why she didn't just be honest from the beginning. Like, I've been kind of making my mom happy my whole life and doing things for my family, what they wanted. And now you know, signing up to do this show and trying to venture into different businesses. I'm doing some things for me, getting surgery. That's for me. 
and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. But she doesn't phrase it like that. And so it seems chaotic, like this professor who's proud of being a professor, who then isn't sure if she wants to be a professor and says her, you know, whole, uh, her, you know, she's so intense about candles and then it's not can And it's just, it's, it's because of how intense she is about her, I don't know, her businesses and everything. Like she doesn't just say, oh, I'm starting this or I'm trying this out. It's like, this is my lifelong passion. Like she's trying to convince us. And I think maybe she's trying to convince herself. And I just want her to be a little bit more honest with herself and with the audience. Yeah, I think that's fair take. I loved when the editors put in the the panel that was saying, Johns Hopkins University is not associated with the Real Housewives okay, of Potomac. So I have something to say about that. I know a lot of people think that it's Johns Hopkins that made sure that was put in. But I'm wondering, is that just NBC Universal lawyers trying yeah. to cover themselves? It's not like Johns Hopkins actually got a preview of the episode no, and requested no, that. No. Right? But I think it's no, I think you're definitely <laughs> right. But it is funny to think about like, what is in her contract because presumably she has a contract at Johns Hopkins, which is a very prestigious institution. So I, I, can't, I honestly can't believe that they would like allow her to be on the show. Same. And to talk about it because yeah. when um, Tiffany Moon was on Dallas, she never mentioned the hospital that she worked at. She didn't mention the hospital by name, just I'm an anesthesiologist and I'm working five days a week and I want to make it four. That was like, what she was talking about. Oh, and by the way, I have a candle line also that is names of medicines yeah. <laughs> that put you to sleep and excite you and all those different things. Um, yeah, I don't, I know there's a lot of people who are like, she can do all of it. But I do believe that if you are going to be on reality TV and you work with an institution that has a reputation, whether it be Justin's business on Salt Lake City or the Johns Hopkins University, like they have a certain image they're trying to uphold. And reality TV usually doesn't fit with that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, okay. I'm shocked. Let's break down what actually happened. And mind you, we are two uh, white ladies talking about a bunch of black women arguing. So Mind us as we stumble through this conversation, um, definitely going to have other takes on this moving forward as well. So this is not the only time we're going to be talking about what happened, because this is, I believe, a very pivotal moment in the season and important to discuss. So Mia goes back to the table and basically tells everyone, oh, Peter has beef with Wendy. And Wendy's like, what? You know, she seems really confused, genuinely. And she is very calm in the beginning. She's like, I don't have beef with any men, whatever. And then as it goes on, and it seems like Mia has really tried to like make this a thing, Wendy gets really frustrated and is like, I only, like, I don't talk to other, I don't go ahead and call all these random men or other men. And the thing that I think through Mia kind of over was um, the statement, maybe that's how you and your husband play. Me and my husband, we don't play like that. And I feel like that was a not even coded language, but it was kind of insinuating 
you and your husband like allow other people into your marriage and we don't. That's kind of what I heard Fr- from yeah, that. I that agree. was what I was in. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mia threw the water. I think the martini, no? Martini? Yeah, I think it's the lychee martini. Oh my god, why would she throw a martini? I thought it was okay. They're not paying for it. <laughs> both both are <laughs> awful. It was so shocking, and then obviously Wendy was livid that something you know liquid was thrown on her, and she just starts like yelling, and it's like revving Mia up, and it's just a bad situation all around. What I don't understand is why didn't I maybe because none of them are are Wendy's friends but no one was trying to calm Wendy down like make her feel better about the situation like that really sucks that's not on you you didn't do anything wrong like let her let Mia go cool off let's cool off let's go grab a drink by the bar just like to get her out of that situation and I think it's because one they're filming a show and the more fighting the better or drama and two I don't think any of them her her are her actual friends like they're not caring about how she is in this moment yeah well I feel like Karen is in between the two of them right and the she's just like shocked that this is happening and that I feel like she's just kind of a deer in headlights and then you've got Robin across the table who's filming it with the flash on which is just so rude was it robin or giselle it was robin and the flash is like what made it so much worse (laughs) yeah and then you've got ashley's on the other side of mia right yeah and i feel like she's like in her own head about what's going on with her situation with candace and so it's just this like weird like seating arrangement of just yeah no support for wendy at all it was, you know, and I just think if someone was there, like if Candace was there to, or I don't know if Candace would just start yelling at Mia, which wouldn't help either. But like to be like, Wendy, we got you. Like you didn't do anything wrong. Like she'll look terrible. Like chill out kind of. Let's just walk away and, you know, brush that water off you, whatever you had on you. But instead, Wendy started like being quote unquote antagonizing, which is what Robin kept saying. I don't know. I mean, I can see that she was antagonizing, right? But I don't believe words should ever lead to violence. That's just how I feel. And I know everyone has different views on that. But I just feel strongly that there should not be a set of words that can get you to be in a physical altercation where you break your nail and have to be restrained by a security guard in front of an entire restaurant. Like that's that's wild to me. Well, and I just also don't understand why I thought the rule was when security comes in, like, end scene, it's over now. It just felt like they just like, okay, let's pull them apart. Okay, let's put them back together and expect a different reaction. Like, and they just kept doing it and doing it. And I just don't think it was fair to either of them. It it almost felt like voyeuristic at that point when they just like kept. Yeah, like they were actually trying to keep everyone safe. They were just. It was almost like a moment. Like no one was going to get. It was like having the fight without having someone get hurt. Yeah, I don't think that would have happened on the other franchises. Like think about that scene in Jersey last season um, down the shore with like Teresa 
and I don't even remember who it was, but like they took her out of there and like that was the end of it. They didn't put her back in the situation. That was the end of it. Oh, when she was in Nashville and she threw the Oh the yeah, table. there was that. I mean there were yeah, multiple there were multiple times. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> they literally just removed Teresa. I don't know why yeah. they didn't come in and just remove Mia until she actually cooled down, which takes hours after that type of adrenaline. Yeah. Oh, it was so disappointing. Um, the only good part of this episode was when asked, <laughs> when Karen was asked about, like, how did the water miss you? She's like, because God loves me. <laughs> Her and Lisa Barlow. <laughs> I'm very important to God. Oh, my God. These women and their delusion. It's just, um, it's, I'm glad Wendy pointed out that, you know, especially to Giselle and Robin that were so against Monique being violent. And granted, I think Monique was much more violent than Mia was. But if Mia had been given the chance, she would probably be, you know, like who knows what she would have done. Um, and that they were okay with the violence when it was against someone that they didn't like. Yeah, that's not fair. Not fair at all. Oh, my God. So disappointing. I don't even know. Yeah, it left me feeling so anxious. And I feel like I don't they keep giving us these like to be continued. And I don't know if there's one at the end of this episode. But it's like, I feel like all of the past two and a half episodes have been over the course of five hours. It's a very condensed period of time. And so the ladies are probably really tired. They've been filming and traveling all day. And they just don't want to be out at this like late dinner. And you're right. It was just, they, they had the alcohol. It was hot. It was like a toxic combination. And yeah, it just left me feeling icky at the end of the episode. It was icky. And you know what? I wish when, like, I'm not going to judge Wendy for all the yelling she did after being attacked. Right. But it would have been amazing if she did not shout at Mia that like, you know, are you effing Peter Thomas? And that's why you're mad. And I, you know, you and your husband let in other people in your marriage and you F other people. And it was just like, oh, my God, Wendy, like, don't you want the situation to go away? That's how I am. I'm just like one of those like, why don't you literally stop talking so that it all like she looks crazy? Yeah. Well, she I mean, she did. Yeah. But then Wendy also started to look crazy. You're totally right. Yeah. It's just disappointing. I don't know. I think she also, in her anger, said some things that were not true. (laughs) You know? Like, she said, I am the only black professor. I am the youngest professor. It's like, you are not the only black professor. I think she meant something else, but what came out wasn't true. She's not (laughs) the only black professor at Johns Hopkins. I love... I don't even think she's the youngest. I love when housewives get into arguments and then they start pulling out their resume and they're like, I do this and I do that and I do this. And like, what do you do? Nothing. And it's like, okay, like, is that really like your winning hand in this argument here? I don't I don't know how that works. I think that's been her winning hand the whole time and why other women don't always vibe with her is because they think she thinks she's better. And, you know, making this I have four degrees her personality 
And then we find out she's actually not sure about the four degrees and maybe she should have done something else with her life and maybe she's going to continue to do different things. And I don't know. It was also like when Sonia said uh, in Atlanta, like, I am a like four time gold, like champion medalist, like throw some respect on my name. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. We should respect your name. But (laughs) it's just, I don't know. They, uh, Wendy just, she sounded to me like, I don't know, like someone who just like wouldn't stop. I was like looking at the screen and shouting, like, stop talking literally stop talking this is getting so much worse and but the thing is it's not wendy's fault no it's not yeah do you think mia is gonna go home do you think that's fake or i don't know i mean i don't think she should go home but i also (laughs) it was also awful for wendy to say like if we get back and she's there i'm gonna beat i'm gonna beat her up like that's like violent language that threatening is also not okay yeah and i feel like again she could have just stopped like quit while she was ahead and she would have looked like the clear good guy which she was like the person who was wronged in this scenario but i think she because she felt like so ganged up on and how it felt like a setup and everyone was in on it and no one was really like standing up for her ashley was was probably the person who was most sympathetic to her yeah. The whole table. Ugh. I just it's sad that she doesn't have an actual friend there and that these women just I don't know, like they don't like her. And I'm hoping that Robin and Giselle get dragged so bad that they actually contemplate their actions. You know, because I was almost more disappointed in them than I was in Mia. Like Mia is someone who's just uh, seems like she fights a lot. Like, it seemed like that was where she went and that that's what she knows. And Giselle and Robin have been very vocal about how they don't want fighting to be on this show. And yet when they saw it, they weren't doing anything to calm her down, to calm Mia down. They weren't doing anything to calm Wendy down. They were like fanning the flames by videotaping their popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. It was awful. They were the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like in that moment, it just became so painfully obvious that like they put the drama and the show and just wanting their wanting the scene to be electric above someone's actual feelings and well-being. And that was really disappointing. Yeah, that's what they did with Candace, too. You know, yeah. that's what specifically Giselle did with Candace. Oh, my God. It's just rough. And, you know, it should be pointed out that the women that were antagonizing towards Wendy were all of lighter skin tone than Wendy. And there's constant, you know, claim and concern around colorism on the show. We are not the two people to have that conversation. But I will make sure that conversation is had on this podcast by people um, who are more better suited. So we will we will dive into that in a in a future episode. But okay, any other thoughts on Potomac? Well, I never got to give like my kind of overall thoughts on Mia, so maybe I'll just like yes. throw these in here. So to me, I don't like her energy in the sense that it's like very over the top and chaotic. And I feel like when I'm around people like that, I'm just like 
you're too much for me. And to, to the point where you want a housewife to be over the top and chaotic, but it's, it's, it's too much. Like the story about how she met her husband and <laughs> what happened after that, like I was, I wanted to crawl through my couch and like never see the light of day. That was so bad. And her whole like health thing in the beginning of the season, that was so weird. And like, even she forgot that she was supposed to be like perpetuating this story about like being sick. Cause her mom asked her at one point, she was like, my what? Oh, my sickness. Yeah. Um, okay. So I don't know. Overall, I'm not team Mia, I guess is my point. She's just, very like Jen Shaw, House of Cards, chaotic to me. I yeah, I can see that she's very unsettling at times. I find her to be so kooky, and f- kind of makes me laugh. Like it just seemed like she was harmless before this episode. Like she was having kind of harmless weirdness, if that makes sense. Like she didn't seem to really vibe with anyone in particular, but was just kind of like, oh, whatever, kind of going along. And then now we find out she's like super angry, doesn't like Wendy and is willing to get physical with her over the dumbest crap. Yeah, it was just like her whole aura from the outset of the season for me. I just like did not. Wasn't picking up what she was putting down. What about last season, though? Well, I didn't. I'm not. Oh, you're like super new. Okay. Yeah. You got to go back and watch. I know. I know. It's such a good franchise. And there's so many. Oh, my God. There's so many things on like season three and four that made me laugh so hard. Season five is rough because it's this like fight that happened. Um. And there was just I like do. this whole conversation around that arg- that fight about how like we represent black women. I mean, Michelle Obama talked about it this week, how this is her favorite franchise, but she doesn't like when they fight. And she's like, white girls can fight, right? Like, I don't care when they do that. But when we do it, it's a reflection on us. And yeah. it shouldn't be, right? Like, it shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah, it's a really unfortunate um, like negative form of representation. Cause I think for a lot of people, Potomac in Atlanta, like seeing successful black women is really important for them to feel represented in the media. But unfortunately, I think sometimes there is a negative side of that where people have a double standard or just automatically assume that, um, you know, fighting goes along with that and even though as you pointed out Teresa is like very violent and has to be physically restrained like in every season so we've we've seen it people be physical on these shows before but it's just ugh. I love when they like fight with their words and when they even when they go too low as long as it's funny I don't know like when Giselle and Karen go at each other they never like I'm never worried that they're gonna like punch one another or throw something at one another. And I just wish everyone else had that kind of energy where they can like sling their words. And that's what Wendy does. She just does it very aggressively. And Mia was already just so like amped up. Like she was not thinking straight at all. But I don't yeah. think Wendy was either. Like if I <laughs> If I was her and got water, I'm just very different than all these women. I would have literally gotten up and been like, okay, I'm done with this. Going to remove myself. Like, I'm not going to stand up for myself. I'm not going to feel like I need to, like, get people to respect me. Like, I will just leave 
because like I won't stand for that kind of treatment and I'm not going to talk to someone when they're angry. I don't know what I would have done in that situation. I mean, I can feel just like my heart thumping in my chest. Like I know like that physical response internally that I would have felt. I don't know. And it's, it sucks to feel like you're the odd one out at that table. Like I Mm -hmm. always feel for people in that scenario in these housewife shows because it just sucks. And it, it sucked when she, when Wendy went outside at the end and they're like, Oh yeah, well like you were being kind of aggressive. It's like, just let her like have this and like be the good guy and feel supported. I don't know. I, I just am interested to see what's going to happen. I hope that we can kind of like move away from the chaos of that scene. And I don't know if resolution is something that's going to happen, but I don't know. For me, I always just find it's not about the drama for me. I just enjoy seeing these women like, live their lives and have relationships with one another. And honestly, I could do without all of this stuff. I would rather just see them be friends and have fun together. And I don't mind the conflict, but when it gets like this and it feels, I just, why? I don't know. I'm not going to, it's just, Mia made no sense. Like she just went zero nuts and threw a drink. And then, you know, Wendy just amped it up from there with her words, which she's, you know, that's what I say. You use your words. Use your words. <laughs> All right. Um, let's jump into Salt Lake briefly. So we are recording this early before the Wednesday new episode, but kind of overall thoughts on the season, both like the Heather and Whitney of it all, and also Jen Shaw and her like maintaining her innocence the whole time. And then we'll get into the friends of. <laughs> Yeah. So I mentioned before, my my overall take is the storyboard feels very chaotic. I remember last season that someone, someone in the depths of the internet did this amazing thing where they pieced together how out of order they were filming scenes based on the ladies' manicures. And so they said like, oh, my God. oh, this woman had these nails in episode one and then again in episode four. So clearly this is out of order, et cetera. I feel like there's a lot of that going on again, too, especially with the editing in and out of the the friends of and, and all of that stuff. And and you guys mentioned last week um, the, the Jenny and the Mary outside of Mary's church and just skipping all of that it makes total sense then how Meredith and Jen just sort of magically reunited and were friends again so overall like setting the stage it's just very confusing and kind of chaotic and I'm afraid that we're not gonna get to the bottom of it like they're going to have the reunion and we still don't won't understand why Heather and Whitney hate each other yes Yes. So going on to that topic, again, I think it has something to do with the show. Yeah. I think it has to do with like getting Angie, wait, okay. Angie H. No. Oh, H. Angie H, Harrington. H, yes. yes. <laughs> I keep getting them confused too. Like getting Angie H on the show, even though they like tried it last season and it didn't work. And so like Heather's hanging out with her also because they like take her on vacations and stuff. I think Whitney. Like, in the moment, it was like, you didn't have my back. But then Heather's reaction to it was, like, 
so inflamed, like inflamed. Right. Which makes like it, me... it wasn't proportionate. There was something else that we were missing. Right. I think, no, I think so too. I also am starting to wonder if the Heather that has been fed to us via these shows and editing is not like the true Heather. So I remember people talked about like, is Heather going to have this sophomore slump of, you know, she was a fan favorite. She came out way too hot in the season one reunion. Is she going to suck like Leah did in her second season? And then she didn't like, she was fine. I thought she was like super likable, but I feel like it's almost just been like her ego, like inflating, 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 inflating. And now I think she's so caught up in the show and being famous and her own ego, honestly. Yeah. And I don't want to like discount the death of her father and like the impact that has, but no one wants to hear, you know, I'm actually dealing with loss and it's making me act out more or whatever. I mean, we've seen that with Lisa Rinna. Something feels off with her. We're also not seeing scenes with her kids. And that's when she seems kind of the calmest and kindest and best version of herself. We're seeing her constantly film with people who she does not like. Yeah, that's true. Does she have two or three daughters? I think she has three. Okay, because the one is in college now at this Mm -hmm. point. So that could also be why just like less daughters to go around. But I mean, that's a good point. And I think people had been saying that the five person cast was working for Salt Lake. But I just disagree. I think five is too few because it just lends itself to like sides and choosing sides and weird bilateral alliances that like throw off the the dynamics of the show and you you just kind of like need an alternate like if you think about what the reunion's going to be like if jen is not invited to the reunion which we'll see how that plays out but then what they're going to have four people like that just doesn't even make sense yeah they'll have to bring on some of the friends of i'm here for dana though like i am so excited to have someone actually tell jen shot to her face all the things that i'm thinking right which is, <laughs> I don't like the way you speak. To I don't people. like the way you speak to people. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know what? I'm going to go on a limb here, but I think Coach Shaw is not as wonderful as he is portrayed. Because I agree, when you choose a partner that verbally assaults people, like is so awful with how she talks to people, screams at them, throws things at people. Like, that didn't just happen overnight. She has been this person for quite a long time, and you chose to be with this person and are probably always making excuses for her. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. I do think he is layering it on a little too thick recently. Mm -hmm. Um, And I almost feel like the lawyers are, like, counseling him to act this way on camera. I guess it doesn't matter at this point because she's already pled guilty, but, like... I don't know. It just feels like he's kind of like layering it on. It's, Some, it's over the top. Something about him feels inauthentic. Yeah. Like that's, I just don't believe he's as noble as he's trying to come across. Well, and as oblivious because yep, he has a law degree. Like he's not dumb. I I don't know. He's not just like this simple like, 
he's not a simple high school football coach. Like he's a lawyer. He's like the football coach at a really big school that's good at football. I don't know. He's he's not like oblivious. I, I don't just, know. Yeah. I would question things a lot if I had a partner who started bringing in a lot of money and spending incredibly lavishly. Like, I would have questions about that. Well, okay, so going back to our conversation also about, like, Johns Hopkins and being associated with Wendy in the show, like, I'm honestly a little surprised that the university, I think he works at University of Utah. Utah. Yeah. Yeah, like, that they have been okay with all of this. I mean, like he didn't do anything. Like, if he did, they would have caught him, right? Well, I just mean... Like, but the being show. associated with the show. Yeah, that's so, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they don't because, show him at work. With right. Wendy, they'll show her, like, recording a segment on MSNBC, which is not the same thing as teaching, but she'll talk about it a lot more. He's also not a main character. I just, something about him doesn't feel, like, I don't think he's a bad guy, I just don't think he's as amazing and perfect as he's coming across. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely like feels very produced lately. I'm also not blaming him for what Jen did. Like, I don't think he fully knew like at all. I don't know what to think. Well, I think she just started making, bringing in a lot more money and he assumed it was legitimate business money. Right. Like, it's hard to, why would you think that she would be whatever? And I think her defense was going to be, well, I thought what I was doing was legal. Like that's what, this, that's what she was kind of almost saying is, I didn't think what I was, you know, and that's what Heather said when she got indicted. Well, I knew that like she was doing some shady stuff. I didn't know it was illegal. So. Well, we're never going to really find out backstory because now that she pled guilty like she's not going to have a defense like the whole point of pleading guilty is like Mm -hmm. you have to take ownership for it so we're never really gonna unless maybe they'll um declassify and i'm not a lawyer i don't know what the right words are but bring out the evidence of the trial and like we'll see more stuff that went into it but yeah i don't know well it's a fascinating situation like she i think that if she does a sit down with Andy Cohn, she will say something that will violate the terms of her plea. Probably. Like if she's like, well, I didn't know what I was doing was wrong. She can't say that anymore. After that plea, she said, I messed up and I knew I messed up and I'm taking ownership for it. I knew what I was doing was wrong and I did it anyhow. But like, I don't think Andy wants that. Like that's... (sighs) Like, I feel like it's just dirty money if Bravo would, like, pay her to do a sit-down like that. I think he would want a sit-down with, like, he he did a sit-down with um, anyone that's, like, messed up, whether it's Luann and her drinking or, you know, Kim Richard. Like, I guess sobriety is different than... Defrauding the elderly. Defrauding the elderly. Oh, my God. A little different. But... You know, I don't really know that she can get her side of things out there because she right. kind of waived that. Yeah. And I think I felt this last season, too, like 
the way that Erica has been the center of the storyline on Beverly Hills versus I feel like Jen, despite being so over the top, has just like slipped into the background of both of these seasons. And I don't know what it is, if it's the edit or if people, I don't know, maybe, maybe it goes back to having too small of a cast. It's like the people that are on the current cast won't question her. Whereas on Beverly Hills, it's like what eight people. And it's like by the law of large numbers, somebody will be willing to bring it up and fight the good fight for us. I also just think the fact that the charges are so overwhelming and she's facing so many years that no one wants to, they just want to let it play out in court. Whereas with Erica, she has not actually been indicted on anything. It's just civil suits. And I don't know. But Do you really think that they're like smart enough to make that distinction, though? I think the fans are, in a way. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not smart enough. I've only like heard it from you. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like there is such a big difference between being the mastermind of a criminal of enterprise that preys on vulnerable people and being someone who received money from one of those things. Yeah. And didn't necessarily know where it was coming from, right? Like thought it was lawfully gained. Like like Coach Shaw got a lot of money through his wife and assumed yeah. it was, you know, real <laughs> real earnings. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Also just Erica is so unlikable. And how she behaves is so obnoxious that it makes people question. Jen is like, I am innocent and I'm going to fight this and you guys better stand with me and, you know, look at what I'm facing. She's not running away from talking about it and she's not screaming at anyone that brings it up, but no one's saying, hey, I think you did it. (laughs) True. I don't know. But I also don't think she's being bullied by angie harrington i think no unfortunately they chose her name for the account just because it was like a little more obvious i mean how pathetic is it though that her husband did this or she did this or whoever did like that is so embarrassing i'm pretty sure i did that when i was like in sixth grade and like i'm so mortified to this day that like i would do something like that so i can't imagine a grown man doing that it's obnoxious and but it's also kind of funny that Jen's like you owe me an apology and I get it's their name but but that account was just going after Lisa (laughs) oh my god how are you feeling about Lisa yeah I as a character on a show I love her like to see someone who is a self-described empath but who only understands like the most elementary range of human emotion is so wildly funny to me. <laughs> it's like, I'm never going to get over it. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. She understands she, um, like two emotions. Yeah. Do you I, like I think me? That's accurate. And are my feelings hurt? <laughs> like, <laughs> he, it is kind of interesting to see her with her tail between her legs this season. It's like making me a little bit anxious, honestly. Like I, I feel like I've, we need to move on from whatever. I don't know what she did to Meredith was super, super hurtful. But I just feel like it's housewives. Like other horrible things have been said, and we move on. I mean, 
Jen was bull- Jen was bullying your son. I mean, to me, that's so much worse than just words to you or about you. I think that Lisa and Meredith had an actual friendship and that this was such a shocking thing for her to say because we never see her talk like that. We never see we've never seen her be so mad that she says that kind of stuff. It was like she was a completely different person when she didn't think anyone was listening. But Meredith also said that she had heard Lisa saying other not nice things about her. So I if think that was the that case, maybe then... in those couple of months, but I don't think prior to that season. Maybe. Or maybe it just confirmed it and she was hurt, but I don't know. I still think that what Jen What did Jen did with worse. Yeah. And then saying it was my social media manager. Yeah, and refusing to take any accountability. Like, at least Lisa is like, yeah, I did it. I was in a blind rage. Like, I don't mean that. I don't know. Yeah. I do think that Lisa should try and figure out where that rage came from, though. Because that is a wild thing to watch. Like, I've never, I don't think I've ever witnessed someone have that kind of a blind rage against someone they supposedly care about. Like, she needs to talk about how she's feeling rather than bottle it up and only use like the three emotions she's familiar with, you know, cause she doesn't show anger. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's like when you go in the airport bathroom and then on the way out, they have like the, the two smiley faces and it's like, yeah. how was your experience? And you can like Good press the button or of bad. like happy or sad. <laughs> and everyone's expecting her to have the ability to have a, wider range of emotion and she just doesn't that's that you just have to go into a friendship with her knowing that she cannot (laughs) yeah um well and i think they did have a friendship that went back but like i feel like they were like seasonal friends because i don't think meredith spends the full year in salt lake right so or in park city so I don't know. Okay, let's just touch on Winter House. So again, this is not the latest episode, although I'm not sure it's going to air this week because of Thanksgiving. Probably not. We'll we'll find out. Um, But I want to get your thoughts specifically on Lindsay and Carl versus the rest of the cast and how that's all playing out. Well, I feel like it's hard to come into the house so late into the game where so much has already happened and it's just a lot also taking into account that Lindsay is like newly sober and Carl is, you know, continuing to focus on his sobriety. Like, I think that's the reason Carl wasn't in winter house last year is because Mm -hmm. in summer house, like there's a lot of stuff to do. They do all of these activities, but winter house is literally just trapped in a vacation house with your friends drinking constantly. So I don't know. There's just like a lot at play with like sobriety, with coming in late, with the new relationship and like Agent Craig being jealous of like Lindsay and Carl because like who's going to have the attention and be the Bravo couple and all of this stuff. So it was just not it wasn't it was it was a hostile environment to come into, I would say. But I feel like they've always been hostile towards Lindsay, those girls like since. And but now we find out that Danielle and her are not friends. 
And that kind of leads me to think that like Lindsay's the problem. Yeah, I could see that. It doesn't mean I don't like watching her or I'm not happy for her and Carl's relationship or I, I think it's great. But in terms of her friendships with women, she doesn't she seems to have a lot of um I don't know, people that have not stayed friends with her, like a lot. She sort of has mommy issues, though, doesn't she? Yes. She doesn't have a good relationship with her mom. So correct. it could also go back to that. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's hard. I think a lot of it stems from her being one of the founding members of the cast, too, and then sort of seeing this revolving door of other cast members go in and out and... Um, I mean, Danielle has been her friend for a long, long time, though. So I don't know, like, what would have happened between them. I think, you know, they're all narcissists to a degree. But I think, I know there's something about Lindsay where she expects people to be there for her, but she's not necessarily there for them in the same way, except Mm -hmm. for Carl, right? Like, she's always there for Carl, but I don't know if she's there for everyone else. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But... I do not like that Jess girl. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. She's she's pretty awful. Like, she's a classic pick-me girl, you know, says that the other women aren't being nice to her, but is constantly denigrating them. I mean, and the stuff she said about Lindsay is just awful. When Lindsay made her, gave her a compliment. Yeah. And, like, where did she come from? Like, I mean, I know where she came from. She, like, Jason, like, DM'd her. But how did that translate to her then getting on the show and, like, driving up with him? And then, like, it just, it's so weird. She's she's giving, like, Jules energy from Summer House. Oh, interesting. I thought Jules was just, you're right, Jules was very insecure. Yeah. Yeah, Jules Cringeworthy. Yeah, cringeworthy, insecure. Jess is... I don't know. She's just constantly around the guys, though. Right. Well, and I thought in the trailer it showed that Sierra and Corey were going to be an item, and then it, they just weren't. So I'm confused. Maybe they'll still be an item. I know, but there's only like three or four episodes left. There's not a lot of time left. Hmm. We'll see. I don't know. I'm enjoying it. It feels like you're actually getting more insight into their personalities than you get, you know, and especially in Southern charm where they're just sort of edited a certain way and you don't really see them. Like when the cameras go down here, the cameras are always up and it's painting Craig in a pretty unflattering light. And I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm enjoying the show. I, I wish Jason would be, Like, I like Rachel a lot. And I want him and Rachel to actually date in real life and be happy and maybe get off reality TV. Like, they seem too nice for it. And, like, I I, I don't know. I actually care about them, like, as people. So I was listening to Ryan Bailey's interview with Rachel last week. And he said the same thing to her. And she was like, oh, well, I don't really think Jason wants to settle down which is not the response that I was expecting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't listened to that episode yet. Um, It's good. You should check it out. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe Jason's a nice guy, but not actually looking for a long-term relationship. It's just compared to everyone else. 
he seems like the only decent one. <laughs> How do you feel? It looks like they were just previewing it in this episode, but it seems like he's going to like confront Lindsay and be like, hey, the miscarriage was really hard for me too. And you just weren't there for me when I felt like I tried to be there for you. How do you feel about that? I mean, we have to see what happens. But. I think like his feelings are valid. Ever Like it's a complicated situation for everyone. And I think also the fact that she went and like told the story without necessarily getting his consent, not that she needed it, but it would have been good to be on the same page. Yeah, it's so complicated because I feel like decisions about a woman's body and a woman's health care obviously should be left to the woman. But there is this emotional overhang of this really tough thing that happened. And I could see, like, for better or for worse, for like how she needed to heal, just kind of jumping into Summer House and, and doing her thing because that's where she felt comfortable and how she could kind of just hit her stride again. But I can see how that would have hurt Jason. And I kind of had a theory, completely unfounded in reality. I just made it up. But it's my theory that I think Jason was supposed to be on Summer House because people really liked him on Winter House. But then I think this happened and... Like, Lindsay was like, no, I don't want him to come. Oh. I just, I mean, I literally have no reason to actually believe that. It's just my guess. I mean, that, that could be. Is that why they took Alex last minute? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. Because they were dating up until very close to filming. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Lindsay probably has control not control, but some sort of influence around the casting and the production. Like, I mean, it's like Kyle's show. Like, he definitely does. And I don't know, she and him and Carl have been around the longest. I just have to think that they do. That's definitely possible. I feel like both Lindsay and, like, Jason handled it in the ways that they needed to, but a conversation is definitely warranted. Watching it on camera will be really awkward because it's, like, not our business, yeah. Even though it was discussed on a reality show. I, I don't know. It's it's going to be really awkward watching them. I think it's just important for them both to heal and talk through how each other's actions like impacted the other. You know, because I could imagine Jason being like, wow, so I had a girlfriend and then she was pregnant. And then now I don't have a girlfriend and she lost the baby. So I have nothing and then she goes and she shares it with the world and he doesn't get to share anything. You know, I could see how that would be, or he was just kind of erased from the story. Yeah. And I'm sure that that is painful for him, but I don't think anyone did anything wrong. It's just a tough situation. Yeah. There's no it's play- just there's a no tough playbook. situation. Yeah. There's no playbook. I mean, I don't know how I would have handled it. And we don't know how their relationship ended, you know? And so, like she said, the relationship ended and then she found out she was pregnant. And then a day later, she had a miscarriage. So it was like, you don't even have time to process that you're pregnant. Right. Yeah. Very tough. Very tough. But 
I am happy that her and Carl are happy, but it is unusual that given how much everyone wants Carl to be happy, that they're not truly happy for them. Like the other cast members, it's it's sitting kind of weird with me watching like Luke is like, these are two of my best friends. I'm so happy they're in love. Kyle seems to be happy, but like it's weird. And then everyone else seems to not really like the relationship. Yeah, well, I mean, Kyle's probably caught in a weird place because Amanda and Lindsay don't really get along. But Lindsay thought they got along. That's what's so interesting. She goes on, either she's like putting on a show and pretending, or she genuinely thinks everything's okay and then finds out it's not. I feel like I'm like, yeah. And if you think about, well, I don't know who. I'm just thinking about Summer House and like making predictions around like alliances and stuff. But it sort of seems like Lindsay is like isolating herself. And then it's going to be like Lindsay and Carl. And think about like there's even more competition for like a nice bedroom. And I feel like there's just going to be a lot of drama around like, hey, you guys have been dating for five minutes. Like, relax. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think she isolates herself if she's not putting she's like putting all of her time and energy into Carl and that relationship and not into her female friendships. But she's always done that. She did. And maybe that's the problem. Like, maybe that's why she isn't as good of a girlfriend. And Danielle made excuses for it until it just became too much. Yeah, I really wonder what happened because I think they said the falling out was like at the engagement party or around, it was around that time. Maybe Danielle wasn't there. I don't know. It was something around that time. Interesting. As a side note, I met Lindsay and Carl. It it must have been right after we recorded the last time. What? Um, (laughs) I was in Denver. I was going skiing for a bachelorette. And randomly, they posted that they were doing a Loverboy event in Denver. And my friends, like, did not watch Bravo at the time. And so they were like, why are you, like, leaving us to, like, go see these, like, people in a bar? And I, like, met them and I have a picture with them. And uh, I don't know. It was – I decided I'm really bad and awkward at, like, talking to celebrities because I just am like, hey, I want to be normal and not, like, fangirl about you, but I don't really know how to make conversation. And I, like, uh, yeah, that was super awkward. It's also hard in bars because it's, like, you can't hear each other. Carl is too tall to, like, have a conversation with. Oh, my God, with. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I met, I met him in, and Kyle in April, and I talked to Kyle longer because he's, like, closer to my and he was just like drunk and saying like hilarious things in my ear. And it was just so funny and goofy and like joyous. Another thing too, um, sorry, I know we're going on and on here, but um, Amanda said something about Kyle not working like in the episode. Oh, and I'm wondering. At the winter house, he actually took time off work. Oh, see, yeah, I thought he never he was does like, that. See, I thought that's that's a good point. I thought what she was saying was like now his company was doing so well that he had like hired enough people to like run it beneath him. And so he was taking on more of like a senior leadership role and wasn't as tied to work. And I was thinking, oh, maybe that's why like suddenly they got married and now he's like 
doesn't have anger issues anymore. I don't know. I feel like he's just like less stressed because the business is like doing a lot better and he probably can hire more people to run it for him. And he's not in a lawsuit anymore. Like once those like legal things got resolved, I'm sure that adds yeah. stress too. But I felt, I don't know what led to him not doing work, but in the winter house. But last year he was trying to do work and it was pissing everyone off because no one else was working. Maybe they told him, maybe production was like, look, you, you can come <laughs> be in the show, but you can't work. But then in Summer House, they they work. You watch them. I don't know. It's all interesting since COVID, like things have blended in these shows where you see like home life and work life and romantic life and friend life. And it's all just like mixed together in one big mess. Yeah, it was weird watching Summer House this year because I only started watching it last year. And that was the 2020 season where they just stayed at the house. So to see them leave and go back to the city on the weekend or during the week was really weird, especially because I feel like none of them have real jobs anymore. So like they don't need to, like if it were me, I would be like staying in this like nice luxury house all week. I would not be going back to my tiny apartment in New York. They all had jobs in the beginning, but now they don't. Mm, yeah. I think by this season they, they either work for lover boy or, or just work remotely. Like Danielle does her thing. Well, Danielle has an intense job, right? But yeah, that, well, she's doing I, a startup or something. She's doing a startup now, but her job before was like a serious, right. like you have to clock in, clock out kind of a thing. Yeah. Um. Everyone else, yeah, you're right. It's be, they've become more influencers. Lindsay works for herself. Yeah. Yeah. She used to have a PR company, but she stopped it after the miscarriage. I think. Or right around oh, really? that time. Okay. Yeah. She used to run her own PR company and I was knew that. Busy yeah. I didn't realize she stopped the time. Yeah. And I think she kind of leaned into being a Bravo celebrity and everything that comes with that. And she didn't necessarily have the time or ability to do both things well. Yeah. Well, good for her for choosing, unlike Wendy. <laughs> That's a good way to end this episode. <laughs> I want Wendy to like figure out what can make her happy, but to not be reckless while she's trying to figure that out with her money, with her husband's money, and with her marriage. Like in her you, time. In her time. It's not good for a marriage to have one person want to like throw around $300,000 and the other not. Like, that's not great. I just want Andy, uh, when like, I just combined Eddie and Wendy. I want Wendy to really hear what Eddie is saying. And I think he wants her to be creative and figure out who she is. And he wants to, like, let that part of her flourish, but not at the expense of her own health and all the other things she's got going on. Like, if you add something, you have to take something away. It's like, you know, when you have too many clothes and it's like, okay, if you're going to buy something else, you have to donate something from your closet. You can't just keep adding, adding, adding. Andy, why are you having me triggered like this? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I get rid of things when I buy new stuff. I was like, I cannot fit things and I'm not going to have one of those kind of closets. Guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you live in New York and closets are smaller there, so... I'll let it slide. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Tell people where they can find you. And um, again, remind them about where they can find Choose Love. 
Yeah. So you can follow Choose Love on Instagram. I think the handle is Choose Love. I'll give it to Mandy to put in the show notes. Uh, visit us at choose.love. Um, our shops in the seaport in New York City and in London. I don't know the exact neighborhood, but you can definitely support us there. And I, I mean, you can just find me on Mandy's podcast another time. Thank you so much, Victoria. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Mandy.